Hey yo, we back again. Edit is Ray Ray's podcast live from the ninth floor of Hello Studios in the beautiful downtown Dallas. Such a beautiful day to be alive. Just thankful to be alive today. You know, it's your boy Ray and Allison. You know, you know another edition of Ray Ray's podcast. Have a great show planned out for you. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you're still going to go like and subscribe us on YouTube on RayRay'sPodcast.com. Following all of our social media sites from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Twitter, if you still get on Twitter, you can come find us, all right? So, you know, Ray Ray's podcast. Uh, this is the part of the show here real quick where we like to reset people's day. Uh, a lot of people are having rough days, rough weeks, or a rough months. It's your first time listening to us this month. Let's reset that, you know. Let's start that over. Uh, we've had some bad things happen, some tribulations and trials. Let's say some positive words to put in your mind to get you ready to fight those battles, all right? Allison, you ready? Ready. Ready, all right. So anyone watching this or listening to this from my voice, in case no one has told you today, you're beautiful, you're loved, you're needed, you're alive for a reason, hey, you're stronger than you think, you're going to get through this. See, we're glad you're alive and don't give up. So when you start saying positive words to yourself, you're going to be on autopilot when bad things come. So keep those positive words in mind. And let's have a positive show and start the show, all right? You ready? I'm ready. Ready, all right. Let's get it. Real quick, I got to say those affirmations were brought to you by Extreme Travel. If you're interested in doing vacation or becoming a travel agent, ExtremeTravel.com. Now we have a lady, you know, a woman of many facets. She's a supermodel. She's a writer. She's an MMA analyst. She's a behavioral educator. Please welcome Mitch Adair Byerly to Ray Ray's podcast. Whoop, whoop. Hi. How you doing? Hold on. Gotta make sure people, you know. There we go. Oh, say thank hi you to guys. Everybody. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> hey, well, welcome. Welcome to Ray Ray's Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I'm fantastic. Oh, well, hey, we want to say congratulations on being featured uh, in Forbes Magazine. Oh, thank you. Um, and with that, tell us more about the entertainment mind frame and how you've gotten your business to grow. Yeah, so entertainment mind frame was really... I guess it stemmed from all of the experiences I had in the fashion and entertainment world, which a lot of people in the fashion entertainment world experience at some point. Um, and it really is the, it's the infamous side of the industry that people don't talk about. And I was like, man, there's a reason why people leave. There's a reason why there's so much unprofessionalism going on. What is it? It's really, it's weird because the the industry, when you make it to a certain point, it's like a big underground glamorous world right and there's not really anybody to answer to it's just like these people with power and a lot of power moves um so because of that people mistreat each other a lot and um I was like I don't understand how people can do business this way so my parents both my parents were entrepreneurs to this day they're successful entrepreneurs so I grew up watching people like you know how to treat people and how to keep people in business and how to make your business grow and so I I just stepped back from the industry uh I think it was 2015 14 and I started studying brain and behavioral science and I got all these different certifications you know in various forms and I was just fascinated with the brain I've always been a science nerd and I was like hey you know I think I'm kind of like finding a loop here. I'm seeing a lot of psychological projections in the businesses behind the scenes, behind the cameras. And um, and then I decided to come up with Entertainment Mindframe. And it's really, at first I was just studying a creative's mind and a creative's process. And then it turned into me doing a professional development for creatives. So, And I do that using brain and behavioral science. So a lot of times if a company brings me in, um, I'll work with their team and we'll do like trainings once a month, once every six months, whatever it is that they want to do. And we just solely work, uh, focus on the brain because you can't get around it. Like it's so funny because one of the biggest misconceptions is that, um, your personal life and business is separate and that's just not, your brain doesn't work that way. It doesn't compartmentalize things that easy, even though we trick ourselves and we say we do, but we're not. We really can't lie to our brain. You know, our brain is the one that operates everything. So it's just funny when I'm when people are like, "Oh, leave it out, leave it at the door." 
I'm like, yeah, it does. The brain does not work that way. It really doesn't. So, of course, people are going to come in. And what do they talk about when they go to work? People always talk about their life. Always. They always talk about what's going on. So that whole let's just neglect human needs, you know, and just put them to work is the worst idea in the world. It's terrible. So, um, you know, I just I just teach people about that. I teach people about human behavior, just simple stuff that we all need. And it's amazing how much better teams do and how much faster projects go and how much more money you make over time. Yeah. Yeah. Never thought it from that angle. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so what do you think the key component was to get that brought you to Forbes? And then how did you find out that you were getting into Forbes? Did someone email you, contact you about getting in there? Yes. So my, my PR rep at the time, uh, or my PR agent at the time, she's out in Hollywood. And I guess she knew one of the writers at Forbes and they were doing articles on African-American women, like business owned by African-American women. And the reason why mine stuck out was because I was a model that had all these certifications and or licenses as a practitioner in brain and behavioral science. And then it's bringing science into a creative world. So it's like that whole left brain, right thing, right brain thing. It's like she's bringing that together, that myth at least, because that is a myth, which I'll go over in a minute if you guys want to know. She's bringing science into such a creative world. How is that going to work? So it was just really unique. It was a unique approach to professional development, and that's what – I guess that's what made me make that list. They liked it. That's really dope. <laughs> like, I love hearing that. And we also want to hear about your modeling side of things. You know, you've been featured in Vogue and other mm-hmm. magazines. Tell us a little bit about your modeling career. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I feel like it's so long. And I think it's still going. Like, I never really truly stopped, even though I say I'm done. I'm never done. Like, there's always somebody that calls me. And they're like, hey, will you come do this for me? And I'm like, yes, I will. I'll do it for you. Um, But I like, I actually enjoy being in front of the camera. Like, and it's not just about me. I like creating the experiences on set. So I love bringing something to life that the client wants me to bring to life. I love having fun on set. Love it, love it, love it. That's my most memorable you know, moments for me. I don't care about the pictures afterwards. Even though when they come out, they're cool to look at, but there's a lot of work I've done I've never even seen. And I didn't really care to see. I just remembered being on set, working with these people, getting to meet these famous people. And I was like, man, it was dope. I got to talk to these people and I got to know them on a personal level. And that being in the moment for me was so much more important, you know, and that stuck with me over time. Um, but I started when I was professionally I broke into the industry when I was 19, on my, on my 19th birthday, actually. And um, from there, I was in Texas. I had no idea. I thought I was going to have to leave, which is what everybody thinks, until they start learning how awesome Texas is. <laughs> <laughs> but I was one of those people. I'd never been anywhere. So I was like, oh, I hate Texas. I'm going to leave. i got to get out of here in order to make it. And it wasn't true. I got signed here, and my agent knew everybody everywhere. And I was doing work. I was able to get my SAG eligibility here just from doing jobs here. Um, I've been in magazines all over the world. Um, So I just, I I think I was lucky, um, you know, or, or blessed to be able to come across an agent that was not full of shit. (laughs) and got me in the right places with the right people. Um, But it's not, it it wasn't enough for me. Like, it didn't fulfill my wants and needs overall because I'm more than a face. (laughs) And I had so much to offer and so much to share. Um, But it was a cool platform for me because I've I've been able to, like I said, meet a lot of people and so many doors have opened. And it's it's really what's kind of helped me branch over into sports entertainment field that I'm in now so I always tell people like even if you're not going to be a model and you just want to try it because I tell my students that at the school that I work at I'm like you never know you just don't know what you're going to fall into 
where you're going to be, who you're going to meet, and you might find another talent that you had, right? And it'll just lead you to a whole other direction. So I'm just, I'm, I'm happy for the doors that it's open for me. That's really awesome. And I mean, I agree too. Like I, I'd like to think I'm on the other side of the lens now as a photographer, but when I was modeling, I had the opportunity to meet so many people Mm -hmm. and it's been such a blessing and also introducing people to each other who are now like doing better than they were before because they did meet. So I do like how the fashion industry can bring so many people together in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to ask you, um, what's one of your favorite shoots that you've done? Ooh. Oh my gosh. That's such a hard question. That is such a hard question. I would say, okay, (laughs) this is interesting. So it wasn't in the moment. It wasn't my favorite because we were outside in the heat and I'm the worst. I am the worst. Allison, don't ever shoot me in the heat because I I turn into a diva. And I'm a pretty tough chick, but when I'm out in the heat with makeup on and clothes on, I turn into a straight bitch. Like I'm, and I mean like a weak bitch, not like a bitchy one. Just like, I'm just like a baby and I want to quit. And um, so I did this shoot with Jay Bolin and Chastity Simone, who's, out here I think she's out here still. she's gorgeous um and Michelle Williams um from Destiny's Child so that was cool experience I came in got my makeup done and while I was getting my no I was getting my hair done Michelle was getting her makeup done across from me and um I got talked to her like on a personal level and she I was, I was telling her about my business I just started my business just started it and um, and she was like, wow, that's crazy. And then she just started talking to me about her mental health, which she's very open about. She's she's a big advocate for that. And um, she talks about all these things publicly that she's experienced. But it was amazing to, like, sometimes when you're sitting in front of people that you grew up listening to as a kid, right, and singing and, like, dancing in the closet and shit, you know, doing the routines, and I'm sitting in front of this woman and she's talking to me about her feelings, like her as a human, you know. And that I just remember that moment because I was like, wow, I'm really sitting here and she's trusting me. Like she's, I'm listening to her and she's trusting me. And this is therapeutic for her in some way to speak to me, you know. So it, that, that was cool. But that day we had to shoot outside. And it was so funny because her and Chastity had the most energy. And they were dancing and laughing and singing. And I was just like... <laughs> dead I had to keep going in the car to get AC blown in my face um I think I actually had heat exhaustion after that. <laughs> but it was fun it was a fun shoot overall like when I think back on it it was fun but I, I wouldn't want to be in the heat like that again yeah the Vegas heat has never served models well when I was shooting out there I just knew that like the summer months I can't be having these models out in this heat I went to Vegas once, and was it during the summer? I cannot. No, 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 no. You know what? I think it was during the summer. And my friend had shot me, but we were in the shade, and it was still hot. And I was never – so I haven't really been in the desert like that, right? I'm used to Texas heat, and Texas heat is different. But when you're in the desert, like, it tricks you. Like, you think you're not dehydrated, and then you are. Like, you're ready to die. <laughs> Like, it hits you so fast. And I'm used to, like, Texas, the Texas heat, like, you know you're hot. You know you need water. And the desert heat just tricks me. I'm like, I was like, wow, this is why people, like, will be out walking in the desert. And then they realize they they need water. (laughs) Yeah, they realize they need water or something later. So that, that messed me up. The Vegas heat messed me up. It tricked me. Well, I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm curious uh, to hear more about um, being a behavioral, you know, teacher mm-hmm. and helping people grow in that way. Um, what got you started? Like, what got you into behavioral therapy? It was um, it was just me wanting to being curious. Um, so for the record, I'm not a therapist. I have to tell people this. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a therapist. Oops. Now, no, it's okay. But um, what, what the reason why people are 
why I've been mistaken for one is because the type of education that I give and the talks that I give are therapeutic for people. So it helps people, you know, in a, in a, in a similar way. I'm just not giving them advice about, you know, what to do on a psychological level. Um, there are some techniques that I can use with people that are very similar to what some therapists use. Um, but I don't have like one-on-one sessions with people. I don't take your insurance. Like I'm not doing all that. I don't want to hear about all that stuff because it's, it, it's what's funny. And I, and I do, I trust therapy. I know tr- therapy works. Um, but what's interesting is over time they've learned science has showed us that talk therapy is not as helpful as it used to be. And the reason why is because Science has shown us that the brain can change faster than we believed it could. So when it comes to, like, trauma therapy, a lot of people are like, I don't want to go to therapy because I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about my childhood. I don't want to talk about what mama did or what daddy did. Um, So, but you don't have to. There's so many different forms of therapy. I do tell people um, just wipe that little slate clean, whatever you think that is, whatever you think therapy is. Do your research on the different types of therapy, and you'd be amazed that you can go do some techniques they teach you, like they tap you places or you snap or whatever, and you feel better in two sessions, and you're like, wow, something that's been bothering me for 20 years, I literally felt better in an hour. And why is that? Because they have the ability to crosswire your brain because when your brain can't figure things out, like, you're, you just have these emotional overloads and it shuts down. Like, your cognitive brain shuts down. You're not thinking anymore. So I focus a lot on cognition, on people's, um, you know, analytical thinking. And then I always tell them that a lot of that is affected by your emotional brain. It's, it's like it all works together. There is no, oh, I'm shutting this off. I'm shutting this off. You know, people are like, oh, I can be the coldest motherfucker in the world. Like, you know, and <laughs> but that's a trauma response. That's not really how the brain works. You're still going, you're still feeling stuff, and you're just telling yourself that you're not feeling anything, but you are. Your body's feeling it the whole time. So um, it's just interesting when it comes to human behavior. We're all different, right? But our brain is mainly, it's structured the same. We just have different experiences, which cause us to have different outlooks and perspectives and the way we act and what we believe. Um, but in all, all in all, you know, our brain is, it pretty much wires the same, you know, across the board. And it's just fascinating to me. It helps people a lot. Once they know something, you'd be surprised how much people can do the work themselves, you know? Oh, 100%. And I love how you've brought together, you know, beauty, creativity, and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, what topics do you go over with like creatives or advice you give in particular for creatives? Oh, that's a good one. I would say probably one of the biggest ones that creatives, <laughs> y'all are going to love this one. <laughs> one of the biggest ones that uh, creatives struggle with is procrastination. Um, that's probably the number one thing I hear the most is procrastination and then burnout. Like when they don't feel like doing anything or they just have to take like these enormous breaks from whatever they're doing or they switch it up and they go from doing this to doing this, doing this. Because creatives are multi-talented. Like you guys can do almost everything. And the problem with that is you spread yourself thin thinking, I don't need help. I don't need someone to do this. I don't need a person for this. I don't need because I can do it. And um, and you you end up crashing. Literally, you you end up crashing. Um, the procrastination thing, there's so many different, you know, there's so many different ways that can, that, that can, that can contribute to procrastination. But one of the most common ones that I've seen is, um, just people being afraid of failure. Um, so, and because they can get it done last minute, why not? I'll do it last minute. If I plan and I do it in advance and I put all these proper steps in place and I pour my heart into it and I pour my soul into it, my time, if it fails, it's going to be so bad for me. It's going to hurt so much worse. But if I do it last minute and that shit goes through, I'm a badass, right? And that feels good. It's like 
it's like, I don't care, I can do it. Um, that's one of the reasons that a lot of people procrastinate. Um, and because you'd be surprised, even though creatives are fully capable, they don't always believe in themselves either. So it's like, I don't, we always tell ourselves, oh, I can do it later. I can do it tomorrow. I can do it the next day. Because you don't really want to take the time and the emotional investment to do it that day. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but it's bad because it makes you unreliable over time. Um, you will also develop more selfish behavior when you're working with other people because you're used to working on your time instead of a collective team time. Um, so it's very hard for creatives to work together as a team and stay a team. Like, it's very rare when you see that happen for a long period of time. So it's it's just interesting because creatives have this individualization um, entrepreneurship. Everybody wants to own something. Everybody wants their name on something. Everybody wants to say, I did this. I built this, right? But you really can't do anything without anybody else. Like, you can't. You can, even me, like, as much as I've accomplished, I've not done it by myself. I haven't. I've asked people for advice. I've had people mentor me. I've called people that I think have good insight to things. Like, I've never just... This has not been in a dare show. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are people behind me that love me, that support me, that see things in me that I don't see in myself. It's like you you have to give everybody their flowers in helping you become the creative that you are because you really can't do it without anybody else, you know? Oh, I feel that. Love that. That's my my take. (laughs) (laughs) I could be wrong just in case I offend anybody. I could be wrong. (laughs) So uh, real quick, let's let's tap into something else real quick. All right. Um, so you're a writer for Fansided, correct? Yes. Okay. How long have you been writing for them, and what opportunities have opened up for you since you know uh, since you started writing for them? I think I've been writing for them for just a couple months. It hasn't even been that long. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's crazy because I decided within the last year, probably eight months, closer to eight months that I was going to go over into sports entertainment, specifically combat, because I have a background training MMA, which a lot of people didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that. And, yeah, I so that's the whole reason that I that I said, okay, I'm going to put all this together. Fashion, I'm used to being behind the camera. I'm used to fast-paced industries. Entertainment world, I'm used to male-dominated industries. I'm used to fast-paced industries. I'm used to bullshit. Um, so I was like, okay. I can do this. I've I've seen stuff on the media side. And then I also trained for nine years in MMA. Now, I didn't tell people that when I was modeling because I did not want to be a liability. I didn't want people to not hire me because they were like, oh, okay, she's probably going to, like, if she's training, she might get hit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mess up the asset. Yeah. Money I maker. might make up the moneymaker. Mess yeah. up the moneymaker. Exactly. So um, I wouldn't tell people because I didn't want – it's weird the way directors think or, you yeah. know, they, they're, they're just like, oh, no, we, we can't have that. So there was a lot about my life that I hid. Um, but I, I, I became a fan of the sport, and then I was good at the sport uh, myself, and I ended up training with, which I didn't know this about Texas either until I started training. There's a shit ton of professional athletes down here that train as fighters. I didn't know that. I just thought it was like NFL, you know, like a football. Because, I mean, a lot of people know the South to be like a football crazy, yeah. right? I thought it was mainly football. And I went into a gym, the first gym I ever trained in, the coach had was doing classes with Boss Rutten. And I was like, what? This is crazy. I've seen him on TV. El Wapo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so after that, it was like I just kept – I kept training – and I started off training because I had a baby. I just wanted to lose some baby weight, right? And then my brother, my brother knew the, the, one of the kids that went there. So I went to the gym with him. And um, he's like, hey, do the, do the wrestling class. Do the jiu-jitsu class with me. I was like, hell no. I'm, not, I'm about to get on, get on the ground with a bunch of guys. I don't want to do that. Uh, so 
I, I tried it. I was good at it. And then I started training at like high intensity levels. So I just being around professional athletes, I was already like, I didn't realize it though. I didn't really, I wasn't just doing self-defense. I was literally training like I was going to become a fighter. So I was learning things on a professional level. And that's what helped me when I said, okay, I'm taking all of this that I know, including my brain behavioral, you know, background, and I'm going to go into this sport and I'm going to start being on the analyst side. I don't want to just be the girl doing interviews. Um, I want to be on the microphone. I want to commentate, which I've been able to do already. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one of the production companies I work for uh, is owned by Stephen Ocho Peterson. He's a UFC fighter that lives out here in Dallas. And I told him kind of what my goals were, and he's like, okay, cool, I want you to be part of the team. So I started doing interviews for him, and he was the one that sent me the link that um, the lady that does the combat writing or the MMA writing for fan side that she was looking for writers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. So I just clicked on it. I've never written an article in my life. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to do this. And so I just started. I've always been a good writer, though. I just never did it, you know, formally. Mm-hmm. I just never did it. So I bullshitted a couple articles. They actually looked good. I sent them in. I sent in my background, told her my story, reached out to her on Instagram, said, hey, this person sent me to you. I really want to do this. And she accepted me, and I was not expecting that. Um, But she gave me a chance, and I've been writing for a couple months. And it looks great because I'm writing. I'm not just writing for fan-sided. I was hired to cover Dana White Contender Series and to cover, you know, UFC fighters. So... I jumped from, you know, nothing to, like, a huge organization. I'm not working for the UFC, but I'm covering, you know, yeah. UFC or PFL, um, Bellator, whatever they have, um, some of the other organizations. But so far, it's one was – the first one was Dana White Contender Series, and then I've done a couple articles about UFC fighters. So it's just been awesome to just be able to put it on my resume, you know, to say that I've done that. Do I want to write for a long time? I don't know. I don't know. It depends because journalists don't have the best reputation. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of athletes don't really like them uh, because they, they, you know, they, they can sway people's perception and make athletes look bad or, you know, highlight things. And one thing I notice is there's a lot of journalists that, you know, they don't, they're not in the sport themselves. So, They ask stupid questions, and they say stupid stuff sometimes. And I just – I try to make sure that's not – I don't do that. Um, I hope that answered your question. I totally went back to give you the whole backstory (laughs) because – I mean, because it led up to that. Um, So, yeah, that's that's how I got to (laughs) fan-sided. I mean, it, it goes to show you and tell you, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So, right. I mean, you, you shot your shot, shoot or shoot, and, you know, mm-hmm. you scored. So let's I got t- the takedown. You got the takedown, <laughs> man, you know. <laughs> so uh, speaking on something, we want to touch on something you spoke about, all right? So, you, you know, you covered the stuff with the UFC. So you're the first African-American woman to do commentary for the UFC, correct? For not the UFC, for no, mixed martial arts. For mixed martial arts, so, yeah. okay. Correction, I apologize about that. But will be. But will be. Hey, we'll speak we'll that manifest that, that yeah, right there. Yeah, we'll do that right now. Run it back when you guys see on ESPN. So, <laughs> what does that accomplishment? Uh, what does that accomplishment feel to you, knowing you're the first African American woman to do that in that sport? Um, you know, I at first when I when I was was thinking about going this route, I didn't. It didn't really hit me that there weren't a lot of well, one. There's not a lot of women that commentate in combat sports. There are more in boxing, but not in MMA. You don't see that a lot. Um, and just last year, was it last year? 2020? I think it was 2020. Laura Sanko was the first female commentator for UFC. That was just a couple years ago, right? So I'm like, wow. I I'm, I want to go down this route, and I'm a woman of color, and there aren't a lot of women of color in MMA, which I don't know why, because I feel like 
women of color are more aggressive than like most people are. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, why are they not interested in this? This, this is like, it's right up our alley. Um, so, but I just, I, what's, what was really cool to me is when I started doing interviews and I was going places, um, like just recently I went to a karate tournament, um, that was put on by Bill Wallace or helped by Bill Wallace. Bill Wallace is a legend. If you guys don't know who he is, you need to Google him. He is old school badass. Like literally back in the day, all those badass movies with Chuck Norris. And like, he's, he's one of the guys that was like hand in hand, breaking records, undefeated champion of the world till this day. Um, And he was actually, one of the first commentators for UFC when it came out in the 90s. So I met him and talked to him. Um, He gave me really good advice. He's awesome. And he probably is the most energetic old man you will ever meet in your life. (laughs) He has so much energy. Um, But at the event, there were these little black girls there with their cute, you know, hair and their little karate outfit on. And they just kept stopping and looking at me. And I heard a couple of them say, like, Mommy, she looks like me. You know, and I was like, man, this is cool. Like, it's cool for girls, little girls to see that, you know, because we don't, we don't, it's, I know a lot of people don't understand this, but black people have been painted in such a negative light for so long. And when we see ourselves somewhere on the other side of something we never thought was possible, we're just like, wow, we can actually do that. It's like, yes, we can do that. Um, and it, one, one a prime example was when Obama became president and so many people were crying, like, just because we never thought there would be a day when a black person was our president. And it literally opened the minds of so many other African-American people. And they're like, wow, I can do this. This is actually a reality. So I don't know, when you break those barriers, you just, it, you're not just making history, you're, you're, you're unleashing a lot of suppression, right? You're freeing people when you when you go beyond what people thought was possible. So, and plus, I'm just a person. I just like to try things that seem impossible. I'm just one of those people. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess I'm not doing it for vain reasons. I really like giving people a platform to be heard and seen. Um, I like to share knowledge. I like to teach. So, even when I'm commentating, I like to give people I like to educate I'm not just saying oh wow that was a good kick you know I, I don't like to do that I like to be very analytical and I hope that somebody takes away something from when they listen to me because a lot of people don't even know what they're looking at when they're watching fights unless they've done it for forever so you give like a psychological breakdown basically on it like oh the reason why he kicked them this way is to prevent such and such from happening and it's a kind of kind of yeah yeah I'll talk about you know the the Nonverbal communication, the body language, um, you know, these positions, what you'll do to avoid these things, um, you know, just just small things that a lot of people don't think about, you know. And I've, I've even commentated beside professional athletes. I'm not going to name anybody, but I've, I have commentated beside professional athletes that have, you know, reacted to something that didn't happen in the cage. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, that's not accurate, right? You don't – it looks like they got punched, but they didn't. They just went they, – they moved their head the same way the punch was going to not absorb the hit. So don't say, oh, big, big punches landed. That's not what happened, you know. So I try not to be reactionary when I'm, when I'm watching, and I try to give, like, you know, an analytical breakdown of what might be going on. Not a shock jock type yeah. commentary, right? Which is hard for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning to lie – but not lie. Like, I got to make it sound exciting, but I can't break people down either. Like, in a negative way, I can't say, well, why are they doing this? This sucks. You can't talk like that. If You know, you can't do that. You can't say that. And then you also can't hype people up. I've seen that, too, where people are like, oh, this person's amazing. And I'm like, no, they're really not. They're not doing anything. They're actually just, they're just laying on top of each other. And a lot of people don't like seeing that. Facts. So let's touch on something uh, you said when you first went and started training, uh, your brother mentioned you to start wrestling and, you know, doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. What style of fighting do you like most? Ooh, uh, for myself, 
No, no, no. Okay, this is I can't even say that. I like wrestling. Um, I think wrestling is a great base. I think people who are wrestlers that have wrestling background and go into MMA are very dangerous. Um, I also like boxing. Boxing is boxing is so sharp and crisp and powerful. Uh, and a lot of boxers will tell you that people in mixed martial arts don't know how to punch correctly. Like they'll say, like, oh, people in UFC don't know how to punch, right? And they're right. A lot of them don't. A lot of them don't have that really sharp crisp. If you ever watch a fight with a fighter that has a boxing background, those punches are going to land so nice and clean. That's when you get those really good knockouts. And then the wrestling, wrestlers are just brutal. It's just, it's, it's, I, I don't know why I like doing it because it doesn't even feel good, but it's so, it makes you think so fast and you have to be so strong and, and quick and, it's just, I just love, I love wrestling. That's my favorite. Now, the exciting ones are probably like judo. You know, judo's cool because they're like, oh, shit, they just kick. And then karate, they do those, you know, crazy spinning kicks and stuff. I mean, all that stuff works. Trust me. All those fighting styles work. But just my favorite, it would be wrestling and boxing. Okay. So um, at UFC 279, I heard there was an altercation before a press conference. That caused a fight to get uh, get canceled, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, are you allowed to talk about that, or what's up? Me... Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't there when it happened, but I know a couple people who were. So what? <laughs> you know, spill the tea. What's the tea? What happened? What was popping? Um, There was just, I mean, there's already articles out about it, so it's not like anybody can't find out. But there was a lot of um, talk going on with Kamzat's team, talk going on with... Kevin Holland's team, um, and they're just neither one of those guys are, you know. And then on top of that, you got Nate Diaz back there, and he's not—he's a gangster. He's not somebody that <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like seriously, people are like they—they're. I won't. I don't want to say people fear him because I don't. I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouth. But yeah. I'll just say people know what time it is when Nate and his brother walk in the room. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it was like potential like brawl backstage with a lot of people, which I'm really surprised as it has not happened before, you know, with fighters. I really am surprised. But yeah, with those those three people and they're just they're all like inability to just say walk away and just they're just not those type of guys. Um and the people around them aren't those type of guys. So uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a potential dangerous situation. <laughs> Dana White was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna shut this shit down <laughs> real quick." With the quick so you just uh, mentioned Nate Diaz. Okay? Mm-hmm. So also on two seventy nine, we saw the whole changing of the fight card because mm-hmm. I, I can't remember his name. I don't even pronounce his name. I know he, he missed his weight. Comes out, yeah, yeah. He missed his weight by seven and a half pounds, which yeah. I feel like that's a lot of weight. It is a lot to be missing your weight. You know what you gotta. F- be down awake by what time and what day. I don't understand how you not know you're overweight. That's another story. So what are your thoughts on that far as, one, what should be the severity of the punishment if someone comes in that much overweight and the challenges that bring for when someone comes in overweight? Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> there was a, a lot of talks about this, too, from other pro fighters and former UFC fighters. Um, he, he missed weight and... There and there were talks saying, "Oh, they knew that he was going to miss weight. They they did not know. Dana White did not know he was going to miss weight. Um, he was told to stop cutting weight because his body shut down. And it's normal. Now I will tell you, it's normal for fighters to come in and be ten pounds heavier before they weigh in, like the day before they weigh in, and they just decide, which is very dangerous to do. It's bad for your body. It's good to just be professional." Do, you know, strength and conditioning, eat good, take care of yourself, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do all these things that are going to make it hard for your body to cut weight because it, it you can, your body can shut down. You can pass out, you can go to the hospital. A lot of bad things can happen to you, and it's, it's bad for your brain, too. Um, so his, his body stopped responding, which is normal. Sometimes it happens, and, um, but what a lot of people were upset about is that he still got to fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, or that, you know, maybe there wasn't a punishment for it. 
uh, a lot of people were like, you know, they he, they should have pulled him from the card. He shouldn't have been able to still have a highlight like that after missing so much weight. It's it's it is considered like that across the board in in that world. Missing weight is such a big deal. It is a huge deal. It's like not taking off your shoes when you walk in grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows the rules, and you just did the one thing that everybody knows not to do. So it's a it's a very big deal on on a reflection of professionalism. Um, I think I'm not the owner though, so I can't say. But I think he should have got the same punishment that most people got, where either you know he got a big chunk taken from his purse, or you know they didn't let him fight. You know one one of those two. That's so, that's what I think, and that's what a lot of other people thought too. So he had no purse taken away from him. I don't. All. I don't know if he did. I never read about it afterwards. Um, I just know him and, and Holland got paid a lot for that fight. Wow. So yeah. There's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. All right. So we have this segment. It's called. Slow down. We just want to get to know you. This is where we kind of ask you a little bit of personal questions. You know, people can, can feel you out a little bit, get to know <laughs> you a little bit better. Okay. Uh, just got to make it know that, you know, this segment of Slow Down is brought to you by Lyrically Correct. If you feel like you're Lyrically Correct and you can answer music trivia games, go to lyricallycorrect.com, put in promo code RayRay and get 20% off. All right? <laughs> you ready? I am. All right. Well, let's do this. So <laughs> who is someone that inspires you? Oh, Serena Williams. That's a good answer, right? That is a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, elaborate for us. What about her inspires you? Oh, I thought you were just like rapid fire questions. Um, I think, it, well, shit, just her whole story. Her whole story, um, everything that she's done and been through and all the criticism that she's had to receive and, um, you know, again, breaking barriers as an African-American woman and a white-dominated sport, um, I just... I just adore her. I like, and I and there. I've heard a lot of good things about her. So just from people that I know that have worked with her, um, and I just I like her ability to just steadfast, stand strong, and and you know inspire all these women. Did you uh, ever see the video of Jamie Foxx singing to her? I did. I thought that was like yeah that he wanted to be her her tennis, tennis ball, ball yeah. or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love hearing that. And um, I also love something about you is you're a big bookworm, just like me. Oh, you yeah. Love I reading. like reading. <laughs> um, if you had to pick a book that everyone had to read, what would you choose? Oh, my God. That's such a hard answer. Or like a couple of books that come to mind that you feel like every person should read. I can tell read. you a couple for sure. Um, the first one is The Powers of Evil by Richard Cavendish. Um, I don't know if you guys know about that book, but that's a very deep education educational book like that. And it's about um, the background of why we associate so many evil and bad things with certain belief systems. It's amazing, and it goes all the way back to, like, as far as history can go, um, about why, like why we associate dark colors with evil. Like it goes very, very deep. Um, and why, you know, certain, um, like mental health or certain things are looked at as, as satanic or demonic or whatever, depending on what religion you are. So it's just, it's interesting. Um, even to the point of where racism comes in, right. With the depiction of Jesus and the, you know, bright skin and, uh, the depiction of Satan, who's very black and dark, his dark skin, you know, things like that. It's, it's a, it, that book will make you question what you believe, not in terms of spirituality, but just what you associate with what's good and what's bad. So it's, I think that's a phenomenal book. Another one is The Body Keeps a Score. Um, I just went blank on, I think it is, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. It's a popular book, um, and <laughs> that. But that book talks about how body, uh, how our bodies store trauma in all areas, not just like in our mind. 
um, it's very powerful. And he, he talks about all these different studies and or case studies that he shared and went through um, with various forms and how it affects your daily life and how deep trauma really is. Um, that's another book that I, I would get because I like to wake people up. I'm that person. I like to give people self-awareness and, and the ability to self-heal. Um, that's probably the other book, I would say. Those are probably the only two I can think of off top. Well, I'm excited to check those out because I like <laughs> reading self-development books, and I haven't had a chance to read either one of those. So I'll add that to my library. They're good. Next question we have for you is, when have you felt the most challenged? Every damn day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't, you know what? I honestly don't know. I think, um, oh God, I can't, I, I don't know. Because I. the reason why that's a hard question for me to answer is because I don't, whenever I do go through challenges, I've been through a lot of different things in my life that a lot of people will be like, what the hell? Then you don't even look like somebody who would go through that. Um, I just choose not to accept a lot of things that happen to me as um, as a as a challenge. You know, I I'm always like when bad things happen to me, I go through it. I definitely respond to it. I feel it. I might get depressed. I might get sad. I might get angry. To be honest, I probably get angry more than anything if I'm going through something. Um, but I just, I always tell myself, this isn't my life. This is not my life. This is not going to be my story. I'm not going to sit here and involve it in my story and then go on and say, okay, this is who I was. Like, I don't think, the things that happen to you shape you, but it's not who you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The things that happen to you is not who you are. So, um I don't know. I've been through. I've been through a lot of things. I've literally had near death experiences, and I just. I don't know. I just. I just tell myself it's not my reality, and I just choose a different path. So that's a hard answer for, or question for me to answer. Sorry. No, I mean that's a great answer because you know you go through things that form you into the person you are now. Mm-hmm. So without pressure, doesn't come diamonds. Mm-hmm. So let your challenges be a testament to who you're becoming you know so yeah that's still a great they answer. definitely molded me <laughs> yeah definitely so next question we have for you mm-hmm. is we like to ask people this uh what's your love language um oh you know what i actually just took the the love languages test recently i'm trying to remember what my first one was i believe it was acts of service i think that was my first one it was yeah. acts of service. So if anybody could do something for me to make my life easier, anything, I just, it means so much to me. Because that's what I do for everybody. So I love doing that for people. And it's simple shit. Like, even if you're right-handed and the pen is over here, I will put the pen over here to next to your right hand just to make it easier for you. Like, just little little things to help make people's lives easier um, or make their day better, or to tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you, so I wanted to do your laundry for you, or I wanted to get your car washed for you, or um, I read this article and I'm thinking about you, and I think, you know, we were just talking about this, and this answers what you were saying, so I want to give you this. Like, I'm I'm one of those people. That's how you receive love, or how you like to give both. love? Both. Okay. Yeah, both. And that's just the only one, you think? That's that's my major one. Like, literally, the last one is, like, physical touch. You do not have to touch me at all. <laughs> at all. I don't need a hug. I don't need a kiss. I don't need any of that shit. I just, I, I like quality time, too. I love talking with people and spending time with people. That's, that's probably my next one. Okay. Yeah. So, on the subject of spending time with people, mm-hmm. what do you consider a perfect date? Oh, man. That's funny because I don't like dates, not like that, not like not like the stereotypical dates. Um, I think, honestly, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'll just be, I'll just be myself and answer this because girl, there's I'm no like, wrong answer. I'm like, what if somebody looks at me and be like, I didn't know you were like this. I like just chilling, like just sitting on the couch with somebody, and I'm and I'm dead serious, like. 
sitting on the couch. Maybe we have like a cup or a glass. It could be a plastic cup. I'm cool with those. I still drink out of those because I'm <laughs> I'm kind of ghetto like that. But um, yeah, we pour our drink or we light it up and we just talk. We just talk, and that just spending one on one time where people. It's not about like interviewing, right? That's why I don't really like dates because yeah. sometimes you're either interviewing somebody and checking off these freaking mental boxes in your head and or this checklist of what you want in your mind or you're just you're you're expecting this experience, right? And you're not just present. Um there's nothing wrong with planning things, there's nothing wrong with doing sweet stuff, but um sometimes I just think you don't need all that to have a, a very, very bonding experience. I think just sitting and talking is like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, we kind of live in a social media world now. Everything is kind of like instant gratification. Oh, Everything's yeah. done on social media, mm-hmm. and now you know you got you got people that like to slide into DMs. You know, it goes down a DM. <laughs> so <laughs> when guys send you a DM, what actually gets your attention? From someone that sends you a DM? When they read something I've written or they've listened to um, something that I've done a lot of work or studying on, it's usually those people. Like being told that I'm pretty or damn, you're fine or whatever, whatever. Or hey, the fucking single, hey, hey, hi. Uh, I'm That's probably the absolute not, worst. I'm probably not going to respond to you. Like, I don't even know you like that. I like it when people introduce themselves. So, and this is a guy or a woman, and this is not just like on a romantic. This is just me. In general, yeah. What, what is it about somebody that makes me want to engage in conversation with them? It's if someone um, tells me their name. They say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I just listened to this, what you said, and it like, it, it just it touched my soul or, you know, something. It doesn't have to be corny or anything, but I just like shit that matters. I'm not a, I'm not a, a material girl. I'm not, even though I'm, I was in an industry for fucking ever that was all about appearance, I don't care about any of that stuff. So I don't, I don't want to talk about that, you know. I like talking about shit that matters. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Shout out to all the ladies like that, man. Um, <laughs> what's the hardest lesson you've ever had to learn? Ooh, um, that even if my intention wasn't bad, I could still be a negative effect on someone else. That's the hardest. And, and, and the reason why, and I, and actually that's hard for a lot of people I've seen, because yeah. like when you have a disagreement, people are like, well, that's not what happened. That's not what I did. That's not what I meant to do. But it doesn't matter. Your intention doesn't matter. It's the outcome that matters. So no matter what I'm feeling, how justified I am, how right I am, and how someone else may say, girl, no, you, you should have done that. You're right for that. If I hurt another person, even if they hurt me, if I did something to another person um, and I left a negative impact on their life or I made their day worse or made them feel worse about themselves, I'm still wrong. Yeah. That's a hard thing to accept even mm-hmm. when someone else has done you wrong. Yeah, I just recently went through something with a coworker where she was um, – she said her intentions were good and she didn't mean any harm by it because it was quote-unquote the truth to her, but it did hurt my feelings, you know, and I just let her know, like, look, my truth is different than yours. Um, and it hurt my feelings. And she was like, but it was the truth. So I feel like a lot of people, Mm -hmm. as you said, just aren't thinking before they're speaking to others or projecting their stuff out on other people. They justify that shit. And it's like, it, it pisses me off because I'm like, just, just listen like if you just if you just stop worrying about being right for a second, right? I have to do this all the time. I'm not I'm not being hypocritical here when I say this. I have to do this all the time because I'm a very I'm an alpha female and I'm 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 around a lot of men and I'm you know I'm I'm having to always I won't say overcompensate, but I do hold my space well, but I still have to listen to people. 
I still got to do it. Like, it doesn't matter how much of a boss bitch you are. You have to listen to people. So when some, just don't, stop talking. Just be quiet. Sometimes you will be amazed at how much you learn when you just stop speaking and hear somebody. Sometimes people just want to be heard. They don't really want a solution. They just want to hear you. So the right thing for her to say was, I'm sorry, I hear you. Or, man, that's crazy, because one time, and then she tells a story about what happened to her. I won't do it again. And it's that simple. There's no, I didn't mean that. Well, that's not what, that, shut up. I don't care what you meant. <laughs> this is what happened, right? This is what happened. So the problem with people doing things in, in this communication and, and why we end up butting heads is because people are so justified from their belief systems. Like, it's crazy. And they think the truth Whatever the fuck that means, because that's subjective. Um, like, that's enough. That's enough to to stand on. And facts are one thing, right? So your facts are one thing. But you can have facts that oppose each other, too, in the yep. same damn situation. So I don't like talking about facts and shit like that. Even I'm gonna, And I'm a very analytical person, so, you know, I'm big on what actually happened, what didn't happen. But just stop talking. And just listen to people. And then you'll get past that feeling because you'll feel it. You'll feel that, like, anger or that, like, you'll feel something come up. And just if you just don't speak and breathe through it, you'll be amazed at how much you can accept. And then you realize whatever the fuck you were feeling was just a moment, Mm -hmm. right? Because your emotions, I tell people this all the time, your emotions are signals. They're not directions, okay? You don't have to react. You just, just let them... Let them twinkle in your head. Let them feel it in your body and just let it go. And it'll move. It'll move. It's energy. So it's going to move. It's simple to me. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So one of the questions I always like to ask to wrap up, and I ask people this every episode, what do you want people to take away from this interview? Uh, That I'm awesome. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's a good, damn it. I hate it when I get asked a question. I do this to people all the time, too, so it's funny. I ask them great questions. They're like, damn, that's a good question. And I'm like, yes. Um, I don't know. Probably that you can do whatever you want to do. Like, whatever you, like, I know that sounds so damn cliche, but um, if you take the proper time, and surround yourself with the proper people. <laughs> um, you can do, you can do whatever you want to do. There's no our, We are only our life is a direct representation of what we believe. So just know that at any moment, if you want to change your mind, you will change your life. It's that simple. So I, I that's a good takeaway that if you change your mind, you can change your life. It's a quote right there. Hey, <laughs> hey write that down. I'm sure it is a quote somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, uh, real quick, uh, before you know, before we dip out of here, uh, tell the people where you want them to find you on social media if they're looking to find out more about you, and maybe they want to check you, you know, commentating or check out that next article you're gonna write. Where can they find you? All that stuff. I would say to just on any platform. Just type in my first or last name, and I'll come up because I have, like, different names on different platforms. But um, it's all under Adair Byerly, so A-D-A-I-R-E, last name B-Y-E-R-L-Y. And I should pop up, and I usually, you know, update. I'm trying to get better at this. Update people, you know, on what I have going on. And I have, you know, my link tree, so you can go here and there and see what I'm posting and see what I'm doing. If I If I post... A fight that I'll be at, you do have to tune into it because it's live. It's pay-per-view. So if you want to hear me commentate, um, just make sure you pay to watch the fight. Make sure your money's the financials. <laughs> Save your money's your to chickens. hear me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, real quick again, we got to thank Extreme Travel for one of our sponsors. Uh, if you're looking for the next vacation or you're interested in becoming a travel agent, go to ExtremeTravel.com, and they'll get you set up with that. Uh, tell them Ray Ray Podcast sent you, and they'll give you $200 off. Of that, okay. Uh, Allison, anything for you? Yeah, actually, I want to touch on something that I brought up in an episode a few weeks ago, um, just for everyone to have for their tidbit of the day. Um, Really think before you speak. 
And I have an acronym for THINK. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it going to inspire? Is it necessary? And is it kind? If it's none of those things, you can probably just keep it to yourself. But we could all use a little more thinking before we speak. Facts, facts, mm. facts. So, you know, we in the show every day. I'm not every day. I'm saying every week. Remember to tell these words to yourself. Tell, tell yourself, I will boss up physically. I will boss up mentally. I will boss up spiritually. And I will boss up financially. Invest in yourself. This is your boy, Ray. And Allison. This is Ray Ray's podcast. We're out.